Beer Geeks Radio Hour on WILK. Geez, I leave for a week and everything changed. I love that intro. <laughs> the world is spinning around it's me. Spring and there's snow, oh, new intros. Man, damn. I don't even want to get into that one. Yeah. That's just depressing. But uh, yeah, welcome to Beer Geeks, WILK. Uh, Derek Warren back this week. And I'm joined by the wonderful Matt from Massive Beer Reviews. You. George. We haven't figured out where George is from yet. Not to figure. Parts unknown. There we go. <laughs> Hailing from Mars Unknown. <laughs> seen him orbiting Neptune last night, so. <laughs> and Billy from Backyard Ale House is back. Holy moly. Oh, and his mic's not on. Mm-hmm. Oh, what, what, why are you even here? <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Howdy, folks. Uh, see, we forgot to even turn the mic on. It's been so long since you've been here. <laughs> I think there's like a cobweb hanging from this thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this week we have a really nice show. We are going to be talking to Dan Shelton from the Shelton Brothers a Beer Importing Company. So we're definitely getting into a different interview than we typically do with a lot of the breweries, just kind of getting into the whole business end of importing beer, which is something that has definitely grown and is continuing to grow over the past few years. Uh, before we get into anything else, I wanted to, in the spirit of April Fool's Day, because there's always so many breweries that love to try to fool you, and some are more successful than others, uh, I figured this week for the beer news, I'm going to test the guys. I have three news stories, and only one of them is real. So we're going to see... Wait, is Carl Castle going to... Uh you know, leave of uh, answering this. <laughs> like, wait, wait, don't tell me. There should, should be some like weird kind of generic game show music. Yeah, right. Or something like that. All right, so let's get. All right, first one. Twenty first Amendment made the announcement. Uh, now we all know the popularity of grapefruit and everything going on. They made the announcement this past week that they are actually going to add that into a few of their very popular beers, including the Brewfreer Die IPA, Heller High Watermelon, and Marooned on Hog Island. So it's the whole growing grapefruit thing. So I mean, that's another definitely uh, huge. We've had a numerous amounts of grapefruit everything on here. So that is one of those areas that are growing uh, business wise. China made the announcement that the craft beer market for them has been exploding, and now craft beer is actually making up 23% of the total beer market in that country. It has taken off so much. And third one, on the growing popularity of everything, this should come as no surprise, uh, Corona has made the announcement that they are launching a new line of IPA uh, that is going to be inspired by the addition of lime that is very popular in the standard Corona beer uh, with a blend of hops featuring the Citra hop, one of the most popular hop varietals. So there you go, boys. I'm going to acquiesce to these two over there because I know the answer to the question. <laughs> I don't know the answers. Oh, I, I didn't even Google them. See, see, so yeah. <laughs> you're saying I didn't so, even listen to them? No, 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 no. I, I think I'm going to go with A. It's 21st go? Amendment. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I definitely don't believe China with 23% growing. T- I don't no, even know. No, there's only if it's, one fake one, correct? No, no, no. There's only one real one. One real one. Oh, okay. one real one? Yes. Oh, B. Yeah. A. Okay. B. B. Locking it in. All right. So the third one was the Corona. That is a fake. They are not doing a line of IPAs right now. (laughs) But that is a stipulation. Next year, that might be the true story, the way things are. All right. Now, who said B? Uh, That would be me. B is real. B is the real story. Whoa. China's craft beer market has been exploding, and craft beer has now taken to the point of 23% of the total beer market there. They actually did 25 billion liters of beer sale in 2015. The U.S. did, I don't know if it was 17 or 18, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it was 17 or 18 billion liters of beer in the U.S. compared to that in China. 
And All right, did anybody fact check this with the but, communist Politburo? <laughs> <laughs> that's their claim to fame now. We drink more beer than the Americans. The funny part is, is like 50% of that Chinese beer is that one, what is it, snow or something yeah, like that? Yeah, yeah. Like, that's that's the like biggest sell, market. Yeah. 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 So there you go. George. Well, and, and a, well done. There was a, there was a couple good uh, April Fool's pranks by beer companies. Yeah, there was that, the twenty first amendment one was actually funny because uh, Sully had to come out and be like, look, because he had posted on his thing like, look, I think a lot of people started. That's to how I knew because they yeah, they started people were started responding to it like asking about that and he's like, but guys, it was a joke <laughs> because he was talking and he said like you have to read the last line. I didn't put it in this yeah. because that would have been but the last one was they were going to be aging one in grapefruit peels and like all this ridiculous okay. story going into it. So that was the whole thing. But yeah, they are, they're not going to be adding grapefruit to a uh, oyster stout anytime Aww. soon. <laughs> All right, let's get into a couple real new beers that are coming out. Uh, Southern Tier announced their Cherry Goza Imperial Sour Ale. Uh, Wicked Weed has their Dark Aged uh, it's a Bourbon Barrel Imperial Stout they're going to be releasing in this 12% to it to be interesting from them. Uh, session, session beer. Yeah. <laughs> Love them. Terrapin's 14th anniversary is hitting shelves now. It's a Flanders Red Ale which is a unique one for them. It's not one you usually see coming out of there. And actually on the back of that they made the announcement that that's their hundredth unique beer coming out of the brewery so that's, that's an interesting one to get to too and uh, this is a beer I actually picked up yesterday from Mystic Brewery this is a, a, a brewery we've had on the show before they have a Rico Saison which is a coffee Saison so I'm interested in seeing how that one goes that, that just came out I believe this week was when it came out. So a lot of really good beers coming out. And right now we have in our glass the first of the many beers we have from the Shelton Brothers. And this is an interesting one coming all the way from Australia. This is from a brewery called Bridge Road Brewers. This is their Enigma. Is it just Enigma Pilsner? Yeah, Enigma, the um, New World Pilsner. There you go, New World Pilsner. That's what it was. Uh, just like a, re- it's it's really interesting because they they say it as a heavily hopped Pilsner, but it's still five percent ABV. But yeah. It's just, yeah, so I mean, it's it's kind of really got a lot more than a standard Pilsner going on, but it, it still has that same light body to it. But it's it's hopped heavily with the Enigma hop. That's what it is, which is an Australian hop variety. And that is definitely an area of the world where everyone's turning hops right now is Australia New Zealand. So, of course, they're going to have it in their own backyard. So. Yeah, it's interesting to see, to get a beer like this from, from there, because obviously, you know, the first thing you think of, when it, 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 whether it be a Pilsner or an IPA, is dry hopped or whatever is freshness. Yeah. So to have this come literally all the way from the other side of the world, it's kind of nice when you have a importer that'll just send you yeah. ones right off the boat. So that yeah. doesn't suck because you can definitely get a ton of grapefruit in the nose and and not a citrusy in the mouth, but pretty damn nice. Yeah, it's a really it's it's for a pilsner too. Especially this is a definitely a nice uh, almost kind of a hybrid of like a, an IPA mm-hmm. and a pilsner with it and everything. But it's just it's really nice bite to it that you don't get in it's a different kind of bite because of that australian hop yeah it's very unique it's like herbally grassy citrusy mm-hmm. you know yeah, yeah it almost reminds me of somewhere between a um just like a pilsner and a wheat beer almost i'm yeah. getting like a little slow, subtle like wheat beer vibe off of it i don't know why yeah, it's a really interesting it's just nice that it's at five percent too you still have a fair amount of complexity going on but it still has a really nice light body but it's not unbalanced and I think that's one of the dangers when you start getting into some of these beers that have kind of a more Pilsner kind of. <laughs> yes, that is where we are right now. It has this really nice uh, light body to it. And that's one of the dangers when you get into the, the hopping of it is it can kind of take over and become completely unbalanced and just really almost accurate in, in a way. Yeah. But this has like this maintains a nice balance, but still has a nice light body, which is a good 
Yeah, I'm a fan. I've never had anything from these guys before. Yeah, but, that's my uh, first time, too. <clears throat> which is probably going to be... I've had a couple of the breweries that we're having on today, but I don't think I've had any of these offerings, except for maybe the next one. Well, the one we're doing now, this is uh, this is the other thing. The, the one caveat I'm going to say right up front is I, uh, despite the help that the guys at the Shum Brothers have given me, <laughs> so I'm probably still going to butcher the names of these and everything, but Matt, Matt's going to help to translate with everything, too. See, here's the difference, though. You're going to butcher it. I'm going to butcher it, but I'm going to sound really confident. <laughs> so people are just going to You're just going to own it. You know, yeah, own yeah, it. I'm yeah, going like, to own it. You know? All right, well, you, you grab this one then, Matt. What's the, how do you say this one confidently? This is uh, Taras Bul... I'm going to go with Bula. I'm going to I'm gonna make that second B silent on this sucker. And this is basically for, uh, by uh, Brasserie Dalison. They actually do a bunch of really good stuff. I've had a couple beers from them. I think I've had this one. Um, yeah, Brussels in the house, 4.5%. Does not suck, and and it's really interesting to that region because you know we're we're used to Belgian beers being the, this one standard of of style. No, I'm not say style, but the yeast strain is that that's what we're very familiar with. So when you're getting into this, this is actually they says it on here an extra hoppy ale. Like they've they've kind of gone something which you don't normally. Now you're starting to see a lot more in that region, which has gotten to be another thing that's been interesting for a beer importer, especially because they have a lot of great Belgian beers to see those American influences getting back into that country that basically gave us a lot of the inspiration for getting into a lot of these crazy beers. Yeah, um, Brussels apparently I've heard, I haven't been, but it's becoming one of, like the mecca in Belgium as far as when with beer goes as of late. But this is really interesting because the hops are there, but that Belgian yeah. yeast dries this out it's, like it's four and a half percent else. too. Yeah, it's it's four and a half percent too. I didn't say that one. It's I mean it's it's, it's interesting. This one almost drinks more like I almost expect the last one to drink more like this because yeah, it, it has that interesting, like the, the, the Belgian yeast definitely is doing something really different in this and like working with the hops in this, I don't know, it's like it's really bright, but I don't know, it's like kind of one of those like you're lost for words because it's just like there's this play on flavors going on that you're normally not getting in a lot of these types of things. I mean, it's considered a Belgian pale ale. So right off the bat, so you kind of have somewhat of a clue what you're doing, um, which is an interesting thing. I mean, a lot of Belgian yeast, it's it's tough to play with hops. Yeah, uh, I, I'm getting this, like, I don't know. I want to say there's Brett involved in this beer because of how dry it is. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't say yeah. anything about that on the label itself. But usually when you're dealing with a lot of, like, Belgian beers, you're going to get um, just generic Belgian yeast. You're going to get a lot of, you know, your... Um, you know, fruit esters and stuff like that. And, and typically when you're talking about just a generic kind of Brett yeast, you're a lot of dryness. And this is like super, super dry. Yeah. yeah. But it ha- it's nice. But to there's the- no funky. There's no, no funky. No. It's more like, lemon. Like that's, yeah. that's the thing. It's like you get this bright lemon character that kind of finishes out the dry thing. Like it feels like a squeeze of lemon. When it almost- that's a Brett C character too. You can yeah. actually get a lot of citrus and lemon from Brett C. But I think this is like the lemon might be the hop. And then the dryness is the yeast. But it's, it's, it's. Making, um, I'm confused. This is fun. Do you <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? That's yeah. the coolest part about this beer. It's making us think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not yeah. really sure what to think about it. Yeah. And that kind of excites me. Well, it's, it's interesting, too, because it is like 4.5%, but it has this like really bubbly carbonation, but still a smooth body, too. Like the whole thing keeps like, I feel like the whole way along the, the, the drinking of this, it's things contradicting one another. Yeah, yeah. And that, that's the that's thing that's weird with it. It's confusing. Yeah. It's, everything's fighting itself, you know? I almost wonder if it's like bottle condition with Brett. Like it wasn't like primaried or, you know, you know what I'm trying to say? That it was like, you know, it, dry, it dried out in the bottle, so to speak. Well, it's you, definitely bottle condition. There's some nice funk in the bottom of this sucker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait, is Bootsy Collins down the bottom? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Bring uh, the low wind. <laughs> no, but th- there's like a lot going. That's what's interesting when you get these light beers. That's why I love seeing other countries kind of get into this. And like, well, I shouldn't even say get into it. I mean, Belgian beers, a lot of them traditionally were very, very light beers. Just when we got a hold of them, we kind of took them to the next level and kind of bumped them up to like eight percent when they're normally four. Well, that's uh, it's a lot of things too. Like, there's an Americanized versions of Belgians, similar where you have like an American barley wine or an American style stout. There, uh, when Americans take on a lot of Belgian beers, they become Americanized. Yeah, and like this is a show I've been looking forward to because I'm just I love Belgian <laughs> beer so much. So it's like to, to actually taste these beers and two beers that are distinctly far apart, but very similar in styles. You're talking about New Zealand to all the way to back to Belgium, and to be kind of you could if these came from the same brewery, you would be like, okay, that makes sense. So when you yeah. when a brewery even halfway across the world can capture that Belgian soul, it's pretty awesome. It actually almost kind of reminds me a little bit of like Orville, like maybe not as maybe not as like um, funky, what, yeah, yeah, you know. But it's it still has that little bit of like hop bite to it, and and the dryness of like an aged Orville. And that's know? that's that, that's why I was thinking more of a Brett character because it's yeah. very Orville's not in your face. So when you talk yeah. about Brett, like there's a lot of Brett beers that are kind of get root, they can get funky, sweaty, yeah. citrusy, whatever. But Orville's very delicate unless you l- sit for a decade or two. Yeah, yeah, you know. But it just it just kind of has that characteristic to me. Yeah. Kind of reminds me. No, I can me. I can definitely see that as we're going through. It's just there's a lot going, which is a cool thing too. To see this this much conversation and this much coming out of a beer that's four and a half percent is a really cool thing that says a lot about that kind of a beer with that kind of flavor profile going on. All right, we're gonna take a break, and when we come back, we're gonna get really deep into the whole Sheldon brother story and see what's going on and how they got into this crazy crazy world. So we're we'll back here in the Beer Geeks WILK. Listen to what Dave Ryan says about Andro 400. Andro 400, I really love it. It's amazing to me that uh, I feel so good. I've lost 50 pounds. I was a size 38 waist. I've gone down to a 32 waist. My mood has changed. I, I don't get stressed out. It gave me so much more energy. Energy just to walk. Energy to, to play sports. Everything is starting to work again. Just like I'm 25. My wife is happy. I'm so happy. I'm just a completely different man. I'm taking this stuff to the grave with me. Men, have you lost energy and gained belly fat? Are you feeling stressed out? Fight back with Andro 400, the safe, natural, and inexpensive way to increase your testosterone. For over a decade, Andro 400 has helped men lose belly fat, gain energy, and feel 20 years younger. Go to andro400.com, andro400.com, or call 866-546-1955, 866-546-1955. Don't miss the Times Leaders Men's College Basketball Tournament section to get every score every day after the game. See what comments local columnist the Beermeister Jim McCabe is serving up. Bill O'Boyle shares his memories from college basketball tournaments past. Pick up a copy and find out why the Times Leaders is the most read newspaper in Luzerne County. To subscribe, call 570-829-5000. That's 570-829-5000. An ex-athlete is waiting to be welcomed into a loving home. There's a greater need to place ex-racing greyhounds into permanent homes than at any point in recent history as a result of greyhound racetrack closings across the country. April is National Adopt-A-Greyhound Month and the perfect time to adopt a gentle companion into your home. Thousands of greyhounds are being cared for by adoption groups now. Please help ensure that all these wonderful dogs find homes by visiting thegreyhoundproject.org for information on adoption in your area. Imagine your life five years from now. Are you on the path you want to be on? 
It's time to take control of your future by getting a world-class education from one of the nation's top universities. Arizona State University is now offering over 100 top-tier degree programs 100% online. It's the exact same degree our on-campus students receive, but you can learn from anywhere in the country on your own schedule. For information, call 1-800-400-4530. Learn from ASU's world-renowned faculty and use ASU's global recognition to improve your visibility, professional network, and gain real-world experience you can start using today. The Wall Street Journal ranked ASU fifth in the nation for producing the best qualified graduates. Now discover how ASU Online can stand out on your resume and help separate you from the competition. We are ready to help you learn to thrive in your life, in your career, and beyond. To learn more about ASU Online degrees, call 1-800-400-4530. That's 1-800-400-4530. If your idea of family time means inviting the kids to watch you replace your intake manifold gasket, then CarQuest Auto Parts is for you. If you wonder why your wife is going shoe shopping when you just changed her brakes last week, then CarQuest is for you. CarQuest is for those who really know and care about their car. And now, save up to $30 after mail-in rebate when you purchase CarQuest Gold Brake Pads and two rotors. CarQuest is Serious auto parts. See participating source for details. All right. The behind the scenes stuff's always fun here. <laughs> Running around craziness going on. Fun. And there's other words to describe it too, but I guess fun kind of works. So I know up front <laughs> we said uh, Dan. Now I was kind of uh, told Dan is in Hawaii. So Dan was kind of a uh, call it a gamble. Um, because of the fact of the time difference with everything, and plus you're in Hawaii. Why who, would yeah? Why would, would you? you? Who wants to call us exactly at any day? Let alone you're in a beautiful in area. Why would you want to call three ugly men in Pennsylvania or four yeah. ugly men? No, three. It's three. I'm yeah. here. <laughs> <laughs> four, three ugly men and one beautiful man. So we have joining us right now on the phone. We have Joel Shelton, Joel from the Shelton Brothers. So Joel, how you doing today, bud? Hey, I'm here. You I'm, are. One Sheldon, one Sheldon brother actually turned up. <laughs> yes. We have one going. So, all right, I'm gonna, we're going to do something new here, Joel. I'm not used to doing two at once. So we're going to insert how you <laughs> want to take that. Two calls at once. Two calls at once. Yeah, I know. Well, we're gonna, I'm going to see if I can get Christian through here now, too. So, Christian, are you okay. here with us, bud? I am here, yep. Oh, look at that. Look at we that. did it. I'm a professional now, I we guess can, we'll say. We can put people on the moon and we can answer <laughs> two calls at once. <laughs> I'm going to retire. There's a good reason it happened, obviously. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, so let's get into a little bit of this with you guys. Like, How did the whole thing start for you? Like, When did Shelton Brothers first go into business? Um, Kristen, was it 96 that the first beer was actually imported? That was the first official commercial shipment, but I think you were involved a couple of years before then, Angel. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't want to scroll the date later, but I was on tour. I was playing the trombone on a tour of 42nd Street, the Broadway smash hit in um, in Belgium. I was in um, Brussels, and I was sort of a beer geek at the time, as you can imagine. I was looking for Lambique because I didn't ever have real Lambique, and I was trying it in different places. And I thought, well, this stuff just tastes like sugar. You know, it didn't taste very good. And in my bus guide to Belgium, uh, there was a thing, uh, there was an entry saying, visit Cantillon Brewery and see this traditional brewery. And I went there uh, and just tried it and instantly fell in love with that beer and became friends with the family. So that was, the, that was the first go, like, right, with that style for you? Was that? Yeah. Uh, wow. Well, I had, tried, I had tried some other Lambiques that were in Belgium. And, of course, most of them were just, you know, uh, syrupy. 
Yeah. And I thought, well, I don't see the big deal. This isn't so great. I wasn't really into them at all. And as soon as I tried the canteen, it was like a, a thing went off in my brain. Oh, this is what it's supposed to taste like. I knew it right away. That was the real stuff just from the first sip. Those little ones I, that get you. Yeah. I went kind of nuts, and the family said, wow, this guy's really into it. And they ended up getting tickets to my show and all this crazy stuff. But but in the in the in the... In the next few weeks, I was able to drag back a bunch of 750s from Cantillon, different different versions, and I brought them on the plane. You know, when the days when you could actually bring them on the plane, I had a big bag, <laughs> 10 to 20, 10 to 20 750s from Cantillon that I just hand carried onto the overhead, and they were clinking the whole way. And stuff. And did they I all brought, survive the trip, or did you crack one? Yeah, up? yeah, they. Yeah, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good at that. Um, <laughs> but this is. I don't know if I said this was 1993. Yeah. Okay. And. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Things have changed I, so, a little since then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little bit. But, I mean, thanks thanks to, you know, people sort of catching up to what we were already into at the time. But we, uh, at the time, they, they told me sort of as a joke, oh, we don't have an importer in the U.S. And I was jokingly saying, oh, maybe we'll do it. It was totally a joke because I was a musician. <laughs> Dan was just freelancing, doing some stuff, legal stuff. And when I brought it back, and he, he flipped out too. And it very quickly for him became this thing, well, here's my life's calling, not being a, not being a freelance legal whatever he was doing, you know, he had a Yale law degree and all this. And he said, I want to bring this stuff in. Actually, it wasn't even his calling. He just, I want to bring this stuff in and drink it. <laughs> and literally he, he wanted to bring it over just so he could have it. Cause he loved it. He said, this is the greatest thing ever, you know? And he had to, it took a while to get the license and learn the ropes and all that, of course, but he had to eventually bring a whole container, which at the time was, was weird because there was nobody who knew what the beer was. Well, that kind of, I was going to get into the, the whole inspiration behind it, but it just seems like you were one of those that got to travel and try some of these beers and you wanted to just have them here. I'm guessing that's basically the, the impetus for everything. Yeah, yeah, and, but honestly, he, he started it himself. He called it Shelton Brothers. It's called Shelton Brothers, which is the Flemish word, because it was the only product he had was Flemish. It was Cantillon, you know, mm-hmm. Flemish French, but it was Brothers being the word for brothers. And... He wanted me to join. I was in the middle of my music career that I, I was doing pretty well, and I said, "No, I don't want to. I don't want to do this right now." <laughs> but he, he, he just went ahead on his own, and my other brother Will joined him at some point and came and went here and there. But um, basically, Dan did it himself, and he brought in this whole container of Cantillon, and nobody wanted to buy it. They thought it was foul, and people were returning it and all this stuff. Well, yeah, we've had those conversations with like Jolly Pumpkin with Ron about when they first started out the sour beers, the the uh, trying to educate the public. I'm assuming there was probably a lot of that in the beginning for you guys as you were bringing some of these beers in on top of Cantillon. Well, there, there were a lot of beer shops because that was well past the days when first, you know the beer geek stuff started. Well before that, mm-hmm. you know, in the early '90s, mostly in the we, we we were both in New York at the time. Dan was in New York and he was tramping around bringing these samples to beer shops and. They weren't really sure what it was, and and customers would bring them back because they were sour and all this stuff. So it was a huge learning curve at the time. That's hard to imagine today, only 20 years later, that we can't possibly get enough Cantillon. But it took us time, what, two or three years to sell through the container? Something like that. Yeah, yeah, which we could sell right now in 10 minutes. Yeah. Wow. You know, and we can't possibly get enough of it. And at the time, it was a completely new thing. And it was in the Michael Jackson books, which is which is, you know, that's how we had heard of Olympique from Michael Jackson books and stuff. But um, uh, there just wasn't a market. And eventually, 
it started to trickle out, and then he realized, well, I, if this is going to be an actual business, I have to get other breweries. I can't just have this one that doesn't sell. And he started to, you know, we started to, I went with him on some trips, and we met Mars, Broy, and Bomberg, and different people, and different guys in Belgium. And it, it just started to sort of build slowly, but it was, I think, seven years before he made a profit. Wow. So was that like one of the main issues when you when everything first started was was it, there was a lot of you know leftover beer I guess I mean it, thankfully you guys had like a lot of Belgian stuff so it kind of had a shelf life but was was there a lot of issues with that with like too much inventory? Um, I think it's always been an issue uh, with with the Cantillon. It still tastes good from twenty. I mean we tried some not not long ago that was from those days and it tasted good. But it depends, you know the the, the you know the German lager wasn't really wasn't good to be sitting around for very long. I honestly, I was, I was really in the music biz in the first years where he was starting. I was kind of on the fringe of it and I was traveling with him to try beer once in a while. So I couldn't really speak. I don't know when Christian got there exactly. Maybe he could say more about the early days of inventory and stuff. No, I've, I've only been around for seven years or so. So we were, Totally different time in the, you know, the, the evolution yeah. of beer in the U.S. That's the problem. That point, Dan, that's the problem with Dan sleeping in Hawaii. Of <laughs> <laughs> um, but honestly, it, it certainly. I, I was always in the fringe of it, and I was in New York with Dan, and so I was always kind of in and out, and like hem, hanging out and trying beer and stuff. I know it was really, really tough for a long time, and he just really believed in it, and he just thought, oh, Americans will come to appreciate this mm. stuff, Cantillon and other stuff, eventually, and it just he just stuck with it. And there was, you know, all along, ever since then, we've had stuff that was too much, too much stock, and we've had to get rid of it and stuff. But so it's always been an issue. And I, I do know that one of the, the reasons we got into working with a lot of different small breweries was so we could take small amounts of different beers from a lot of different places. And, I, you know, I guess take the smaller shipments more frequently mm-hmm. and not overwhelm ourselves with you know, 20 pallets of unfiltered, unpasteurized German lager. Well, maybe you know? Joel, Joel can speak to this. Like you said, you had to take a whole, like, container. It, 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 you were doing this early on to the point probably where there wasn't much laws as far as importing beers like that. Were you actually, like, working to, like, write kind of import laws when it comes to beer and things like that? Because you, there was nothing probably there to cover these kind of beers. Um, you mean did he, did he? Did we have to bring a container? Or? Well, that's what I'm saying. You, you said you had to bring a container when you first started, or you just chose you know, to. No, I think I think there was some reason why. I don't remember if it was logistics or because of money, but there was some reason no, why we really had to. It was to impress the family. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. I'm trying to make it sound good. I'm trying to make it sound good. I, I mean, yeah, I I don't remember. I know that for some reason he really felt compelled to do it, or whether it was he really had to or felt compelled to personally. But he thought, he honestly thought, and this is always his, his wishful thinking, and I'm the same way, is that we think, oh, people are going to love this because I love this. Yeah. And, you know, uh, it eventually came true. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're still on the same boat with a lot of breweries that we've, we've been bringing in brewers ever since, of course, uh, and thinking, oh, people will love this. This is brilliant stuff. And a lot of times they, they just, it, it doesn't sell. And that, you know, we, that we have to fight that same fight all the way until the present day. Literally, you know, we're trying new things, and some of them don't move for whatever reason. Some of the names don't sound cool enough, or don't have cool enough labels, or whatever. It's just we've 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 tried a lot of things, and most of them do okay. But it's it's always a question between what we think is cool and what what yeah. the buyers think is cool. You know, when did you start to notice a, a jump as far as like maybe the market catching on to what you guys were doing, whether it be from Cantillon or whatever other beers you had? But when did you first notice that jump start to happen where? It, it was the turnaround was happening a lot quicker. 
Well, I, I think in the early 2000, you know, around 2000, sort of like the time when he started to make a profit. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it, the Cantillon thing caught on after a few years. <laughs> hard to believe it took a few years. But then well, people were sort of catching up to sour stuff by then. I mean, nothing like today. Yeah. But, you know, some of the stuff, it just, and to this day, it still takes time for it to sink in. You know, a lot of the brewers, they think, oh, we're going to send beer to America. And it's a huge country, and there's millions of people, and they all love beer. And they think, oh, they can send tons of pallets over right away. And almost for nothing does it work that quickly. Yeah. You know, and, and it just takes time to sink in. And then the ratings start coming out, and people start, buyers start realizing, oh, my customers really like this thing. It almost always is kind of slow. So by the early 2000, the, the by the early 2000, it was going okay. Yeah. Do you, do you with the way beer is going now, especially in the past several years with like um, you know IPAs and double IPAs kind of ruling the roost? Do you see? Is it harder? I mean, I'm sure it was harder when we originally started, but now it's kind of this. Everybody's looking at you know Americanized IPAs and hop forward stuff. Does you see that kind of being an effect with what you guys sell as far as beers go and stuff like that? Or well, we were always into the hop hop idea. I mean. We happened to start with a sour beer, which was just a complete coincidence. But we, one of our first beers, which is one of our favorites to this day, is Del Asen, which we sent you a yeah. couple mm-hmm. of. Um, the, and Durank is another one from Belgium. These are two brewers that, uh, Del Asen came later, really, but Durank was there early in the 90s, and it was a brewer we almost kind of saved because they weren't selling any beer. They were making an old-style uh, hoppy blonde ale from Belgium, which had gone completely out of favor by then. Uh, that people were selling trappist, you know, really big sweet bombs and things like that. So we were right away really into hoppy stuff. And not so much IPA per, per se. I mean, there were a lot of IPAs in the U.S. We mostly knew about the British ones, and we tried that a little bit, but it, it didn't really catch on. Um, but we have tons of beer in our portfolio that fits that category. It's just not quite as cheap maybe as the American ones looks like they fit eventually. And and that's that's the fight. We have IPAs from all over the world that it's a little tricky because they cost more because they had to come over on a boat, you know. Yeah. So how is it now with, with as the business is growing and stuff? How are you guys finding new breweries? Is there a combination of being told by like customers have traveled to regions, or are you guys you have you know you're just constantly traveling around as much as possible to try new things? Or, um, well, Christian might be interested in referring to this one. It's sort of different each time, but. Uh, we all have we all specialize we all specialize in different countries and Christian Christian specializes in in Belgium and uh, Scandinavia both of which have really exploded and he can maybe tell you what he would do in a given month with those. I, I'd say actually these days I mean maybe just in the past two or three years it's kind of flipped and now people just come to us. Um, I mean we have boxes showing up at the office pretty frequently and it's it's a lot of good beer but at this point it's it's just not good enough for beer to be good it's got to be uh good is now great good good <laughs> characterful yeah well, it can it can even be great is the thing but with the saturation in the u.s market these days like you guys were just mentioning it's um it's got to have some sort of local character terroir or whatever you want to call it to connect it back to where it's coming from unless it you know it's something that's totally game-changing, but we haven't really seen anything like that in the past few years. Well, it gets harder so, to be game-changing now because so many things have been done uh, everywhere in the world and everyone can do anything. Yeah. So it's hard to come up. I, I have something coming in soon that's garlic goza, which seems to be something a little different. <laughs> yeah. But that's the, kind of, that's the kind of thing we have to kind of look for. Christian, I don't even know if he agrees with me on bringing that one. But, uh, 
Um, yeah, it, it I, was just, I, I, <laughs> yeah. I hear the excitement in your voice, Chris. <laughs> we haven't actually tried it yet, oddly enough. But it's just kind of like these are guys from Spain who who I deal with directly. And I sit in the guys from Spain, they're sending IPAs and things, and it's really, really hard to deal with it because it's really good stuff and really expensive. And I said, well, do something local. And this guy's hometown makes the best garlic, you know, grows the best garlic in the world. He said, how about this? Garlic goes. I said, yeah, let's give it a whirl, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of what it's come to now because it's so, as Christian said, it's so saturated, and there's so many American brews that are really good out. Yeah, and uh, it, you know, still we're managed to you know have a business, and people are interested in foreign beers, and some of them are just very different from the American ones, and that's really what it's come to at this point, I would say. Now, as you guys have been going with stuff, are, are there regions that are now popping up that you may? maybe even didn't even see as being a, a player that have now just really had an exploding craft beer scene as you're, as you're seeing everything in the world? Oh, it's, like, sure, yeah. it's, like Dom- it's like Domino's. I mean, we started with the, the, the staples. We started with England and Germany and Belgium, I would say kind of the big three to begin with. Yeah. And it's just gone from there. It's gone down to Spain. Spain has been taken off for a while in the last few years, a little bit after Italy. And, of course, New Zealand and Australia and Japan. And that, yeah, I just got more or less from yeah. Japan and China last weekend, and things are going crazy over there. I mean, even in just the past three years since I've been going over there, uh, the beer has gotten so much better, um, and people are using a lot of really local ingredients that you don't find in the U.S., like yuzu or mikan, uh, sancho peppers, stuff like that, and it's really interesting beer. Um, at the same time, in like Australia, in Tasmania, there's a guy used to make burgundy in france moved back to tasmania and now he has like a cattle farm that also they grow plums they grow cherries um they grow hops and they grow their own barley and they basically make a, a state beer fermented with the wild yeast from the region using all um you know, self-grown ingredients so there's a lot of cool stuff going on that we never would have seen even just a few years ago and what about um, how about flipping the script on this? Like I, I noticed that you guys have started distributing distributing like U.S. breweries. Like I know one of my favorite breweries from our state, Drylag, just signed on with you guys, and you're going to start distributing them. Like you, picking up American breweries now and kind of like you know selectively distributing across the country. How long ago did you guys start doing that? Or is that something newer that you've been doing in the past couple of years? Well, we've. I mean, we've been with. Shelly Pumpkin, working with them since 2005, I think, 2006, something like that. Uh, and the, again, this is more of a, a Dan story, but um, <laughs> it pretty much all started because we, you know, we're already working with all these small breweries from all over the world. We're already dealing with the kind of insane compliance laws that one has to deal with to sell beer in 40 or 50 states. Um, so since we're already doing all that work, it's not that much extra added work for us to help out a small brewery who you know ron at jolly pumpkin just wants to brew beer he doesn't want to deal with uh you know registering labels in pennsylvania for example where it historically it's been a huge pain um, it's an insert so every kind brewer of, here kind of situation yeah. <laughs> well, every state every state has some law that we have to deal with and we've done so much of that over the years that we know exactly what to do and we 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 put so much time into into all these little breweries and and you know we don't 
what we put into it is, is a lot compared to what maybe what most employers would want to do. But, I mean, just doing the labels, we have a person who basically has to just fix the labels full time wow. to make them legal. For, so it's a ton your, of work. Your sister. And <laughs> yeah, it happens to be our sister. <laughs> she doesn't, and she doesn't get a mention yeah, in the company name, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She, she does more work than all of us. But um, so, so the fact is we have the infrastructure and the... The, the willingness to, to go through all this stuff just to, to sell stuff that we believe in and to help, to help the brewers to sell some stuff over here or, or back and forth. And so the brewers, some of these small guys in the U.S., and, you know, like Anchorage and Prairie and all these really good guys, they don't want to deal with that stuff. Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate yeah. everything you guys are doing. I mean, you're, you're absolutely have changed the beer landscape, I can say. For for like the the one thing I can definitely say that with with the way things have changed, it's just you guys have been at the forefront. You continue to be the forefront, and we really appreciate everything you guys are doing. And I really appreciate taking the time to give us a call today and kind of get into this. And this is one of those interviews that I wish we could have had three hours because there's we didn't even crack the surface. I feel like yeah. Oh man, yeah, we didn't well, even talk about distribution. Yeah, there, there's 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 so much more we can get into. We'll have to do a follow up. We definitely will do a follow up one and, and and key on all the fun stuff. Maybe we can get Dan to wake up and, and follow up with one of the next one too. I think with odds were good, we could have had him if he was in Massachusetts where yeah. he belongs. But uh, <laughs> well, well, you don't want to get him to, if you get him talking, you'll be on for three hours. Believe me, like you're happy you didn't get him. So. Well, I definitely thank both of you guys for taking the time to talk to us, and uh, we're going to continue working through a couple beers and appreciate everything you guys are doing and congratulations on everything. You, you deserve everything you guys have been getting. Thank you. Thanks very much. Enjoy Thanks, guys. Thanks, Thanks guys. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Right. Cheers. Cheers. Bye. Cheers. Bye. So there's so much more. That, that's, that's a three-hour show. Yeah. I have like, like five more. I have five questions. Oh, yeah, there, there's so much. Yeah. And then as we're talking, you start popping more it's, questions in your head, and it's like, oh, my God, yeah. there's just so much more. It's like you joke about being a three-hour show. No, that would legitimately oh, yeah. that would, be and would a still, three-hour show. That would yeah. be interesting, too, not just, it would be like oh, a what do you want to talk about next? Yeah. We'd hit three hours and be like, oh, man, we need a little bit more time here. Yeah. <laughs> there's just so much, so we we'll definitely have to have a follow up with them because there's there's so much more to get into, and it's Maybe just a beer, interesting. A beer area. geek special. That's what we'll do. There we'll we work go. on something like that, like a, a non live one, and we'll work yeah. on a nice long extended show. Sorry, right. right now though, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to work through the last few beers we have from the Shellen Brothers. So stay tuned here on the Beer Geeks WILK. Did you know a dirty CPAP system can make you sick? If you knew what could be growing in your mask and hose, you might not sleep so well. But now, SoClean.com has released the world's first and only automated CPAP cleaner and sanitizer. It kills 99.9% of all CPAP germs, and it's completely hands-free. For a limited time, you can try SoClean risk-free for 30 days. Just call 1-800-964-9772. SoClean changed the CPAP experience for the better. My health has improved. It's simple to use, and I'm not worried about infections. SoClean destroys CPAP bacteria, viruses, and germs with no hassle. Never have to clean your machine by hand again. There's no water, chemicals, or disassembly. Just pop in your mask, close the lid, and presto. Your CPAP system is clean and fresh in minutes. Call SoClean.com to try it risk-free at home for 30 days. This is a limited time offer only available by calling 1-800-964-9772 that's 1-800-964-9772 celtic thunder legacy an exciting new live show that celebrates irish and celtic music around the world a perfect blend of contemporary irish music lively upbeat tunes and folk songs and ballads don't miss the spectacular show from billboard's top world music artists experience celtic thunder legacy today august 30th at fm kirby center Tickets on sale Monday, 10 a.m. at Ticketmaster.com, FM Kirby Center, Box Office, and Prone 800 745 3000. Think you're fat? You might just be bloated. 
Find out by calling now for a free trial of New Biotics, the new breakthrough that flattens bloated bellies fast. For a free trial, call 1-800-791-9948. I used to be plagued by pot belly and constant bloating. After taking New Biotics, my belly flattened and continues to get flatter. My sense of bloating and discomfort is gone. If you've got a big belly, you might not be fat. You might just be bloated. New Biotics is scientifically formulated with natural ingredients to flatten bloated bellies fast by cleansing pounds of rotting food and toxic sludge from your body. It even combats periodic heartburn and acid reflux. So just think how much better you'll look and feel. Think you might be bloated? Call now for a free trial of New Biotics and see how much flatter it makes your belly. You might be surprised. But hurry, call now for details while these free trials last. 1-800-791-9948. That's 1-800-791-9948. 1-800-791-9948. Giant Floor. Since 1965, Northeast PA's largest locally owned flooring store is celebrating its 50th anniversary. Only at Giant Floor, you'll always get the best selection, best price with the fastest installation possible. Giant Floor's professional installation team has decades of flooring experience. Come to any of the three Giant Floor locations, Scranton, Wilkes-Barre, or the Poconos, and you'll see the giant difference. Giant Floor, always here to serve you. The odds of becoming a signed artist and having four number one albums. One in 100 million. The odds of going on to win seven Grammy Awards. One in 1.4 million. The odds of this performer having a child diagnosed with autism. One in 68. I'm Tony Braxton, and I encourage you to learn more at AutismSpeaks.org slash signs. Autism Speaks. It's time to listen. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. We're still kind of recovering from that interview because yeah. there was just so much more we wanted to get into. We're all kind of bummed. We all have like our notes that we're like, well, I wanted to ask this, I want to get in that. And there was just too much to, to try to cram into all and this. So it, it, that's a good thing. Man. Oh yeah, it's, it's great, like, and, and it's all interesting too. Like none of it, we're not like starting to. So what's your cat's name? Uh, <laughs> like it's all very interesting, very on point stuff, and there's so much more we can get into, and we, we barely even cracked the surface. Say we didn't even really get into the distribution uh, framework of everything because that's a whole other topic to get into. That's interesting. It's one thing to bring the beer over, but it's another to get it into everyone's hands, especially fresh when you're bringing in stuff from Australia and New Zealand and all these other places. And uh, while we were doing the interview, we didn't even get a chance to get into some of the beers we had. We had uh, Agayones, I believe, is how it's said. Uh, it is. A Spanish beer. It was really nice. It was five and a half percent. Yeah. It was aged in oaks and it had this like really nice sour taste. It was really super easy drinking. And then after that, we had some of the eight wired, the wireless black IPA, which is uh, that they are a New Zealand brewery. So another one of those New Zealand up and comers that have a lot of really, really good things going on. And uh, it was a really interesting, like we're all just kind of finishing that one up now. It's an extremely interesting one because it's a black IPA that's a hundred percent Britannomyces. So it, play, you would not even think of playing with that as much. Yeah, you still get the dryness in the back, but then you get that subtle hop, hop presence because it, it's not super in-your-face hoppy, but the, it's malt-driven with that dryness. I don't know. It's just all These are all interesting beers. Yeah. And here's the thing. We do a lot of breweries that either have to drive to the brewery to get or you have to travel for. These are all beers you pretty much get around here. 
I mean, you might have to look a bit, but it's Shelton Brothers, so they have just a, the widest footprint you could possibly yeah. imagine when it comes to distribution. The, the biggest issue they have is when he was talking about the Cantillon and stuff like that, and that's what we want to get into a little bit with the distribution of it, is the issue with limitations because of, like he was saying, the volume that they're bringing in. You then have to worry about how much you're going to bring in, and then how are you going to divvy it up, where are you going to put it in the country, and all those types of things. So that's another end of it that you have to, to focus on with it because you don't want to throw it into an area where it's going to sit for a long time, but you also don't want to starve an area where you know you're going to sell a lot of it. Yeah, it's weird with Cantillon, though, because it's like I could drive right now 15 minutes and get one because there's places you yeah. can get them. Mm-hmm. Um, Pennsylvania is kind of like all Cantillon goes to Philly because it's all it dis- distribution dumbness. But once you get up into New York and Jersey and stuff like that, it can be found. You just have to put in a little bit of legwork, and that's a lot a lot of work. I mean, it's similar with beers that are made in America, but it's more like you're going to the brewery as opposed yeah. to bottle shop hunting. You don't go to the bottle shop for the, wh- the whales because they're already going to be <laughs> Gone or whoever works there is going to put them behind a counter for the regulars. But with the, with the imported stuff, it, it, you just have to put in the legwork at bottle shops to find them. Yeah. So what we have now in the glass, this is uh, from Frygeist. Uh, this is a this is an interesting one too because just as they say this this description of what it is it's inter- it's a sour cherry or uh, raspberry is it raspberry I don't have the bottle in front of me yeah raspberry but, sour porter yes which it just that right there like that sentence it just sounds very bizarre to to even say because those are flavors that you would not normally think are going to play well with one another but it has this like really Interesting flavor profile is everything we've had here today. And this is a, this is from a German brewery actually too, which is also another very interesting thing because of the history of how Germany has been with most of their beers. It's interesting to see this kind of thing coming out of Germany. Yeah, the whole Ryan Heinz Gebut kind of deal there. <laughs> you don't usually see kind of sour raspberry beers floating in a um, Germany, but. This is this is the kind of sour that I I like. Yeah. A lot of people when they talk about sours, it's the enamel ripping, Cascadian kind of sours. This is more tart and funky, wild sours opposed to like you know super. It's, it's more like you get those flavors of raspberry. No, oh, yeah, it's it, not just this this overwhelming sour flavor, and you get hints of whatever the fruit's supposed to be. Like you get ra- It's like a raspberry sour. That's the order of it. Yeah, it's like if you ever get a bushel of raspberries and you're you know mm. rifling through them as I do, and uh, <laughs> and but then you have those really nice. Um, I just picture Matt rifling through rifle, a bushel of raspberries, chucking them in the chucking them in the eat hole. <laughs> and, uh, and like you have the sweet ones, but then you come across that one that's that's, that's it's not fully ripened yet. A little bit, not, not even that it's not fully ripened. It is, but it's it's more tart and mm-hmm. like slightly even almost fermented. That's the kind of vibe you get off yeah. of it. And it's, it's interesting putting it in the porter base because that really balances. I think that's why this beer is so balanced it's, because that that malt it stands profile, up to it. Yeah. yeah, that that malt profile adds this like sweetness in a, in a different way than you would as you get with most like other sour styles with with the base malts put into it. Having these dark roasted malts give it this counterbalance that you don't normally get. That and I think it's also a body thing when you talk a lot of a lot of sours. Sometimes they can come off a bit thinner when you have a yeah. porter. It just the way it coats your tongue. It's it's more fluffy, as I like to call it, and then it just delivers it in a different way. Yeah, and, de- and definitely different on the back end because most sours in the back end you get that super dry. That's when that puckering this is quality takes over. Yeah, yeah, that that puckering flavor like that doesn't take over like you usually get in them. That's what makes it nice. It's actually really really easy drinking, and some sour ones. 
they're not that easy drinking after a while. I mean, your first couple of sips, and after a while, it's like, this is just like sucking on an old school warhead type of thing. Yeah. It's like, man. Yeah, no, that's actually a great point. Like, this is something that I want to keep drinking, drinking more of. Yeah. A lot of times, sours are like, I want to savor this, drink it almost like a liquor. You know what I mean? But this is more, okay, I want more of this. I could drink two of these in a row and be okay with it. Yeah, what's the ABV? Is it 6%? I believe that's what I have for this one. Six percent. The ABV on this beer, brought to you by Shelton Brothers, is uh, if I could read because I'm old. Six percent. Okay, there we go. So, and that's what's nice too. It's like it's got enough heft to it that it that it gives it a little bit of body, but it's still like really easy drinking and at six percent, getting those flavors. All right, so now we're gonna end on the big note. Uh, now this is another. This is a brewery from Denmark, and this is one I'd see. I'm a girl. Hmm. You didn't even give me a chance to try to pronounce it. <sighs> People wanted to hear that one. All right. I've had a bunch of stuff about this brewery. It just kind of popped in my head. But th- this is their Danish Metal Imperial Stout. The label alone is is worth picking this one up. Uh, it's a 10% ABV Imperial Stout, uh, but it's coming out of Denmark. So another like just I, I just love seeing the regions that some of these beers are coming out of um, because. You, we've like as he said when they first started they they basically were at like the English <clears throat> Germany Belgium and that's really the the trifecta for a lot of people getting into craft beer as things started to explode I mean now America is definitely a part of that because we've now taken that influence and pushed it back onto them but just seeing all these different regions that these things are coming out of and especially when they're getting into imperial stouts and imperial flavors which is definitely yeah they've had you know the Russian imperial stout coming out of the, the English region but it, it really is an American influence we see as these beers are coming back to us yeah and it's also a thing how do I put it but at the same time, breweries there have existed longer than the countries oh, yeah. that uh, that we've been around as a country. So it's weird. A lot of the beers tend to be more rounded from the get-go, whereas American beers tend to be a bit sharper and more in-your-face, you know, as America is, to where it's like screams at you. Yeah, and th- and this is one more like more Donald Trumpish. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I didn't say it, you did. We're making Denmark what? beers great again. <laughs> so. With with this one, it's it's ten percent, but it, it is an American style double. Oh, that's good. Um, but it's just really it's just huge malt bomb, but of, of goodness. Like not, it's not overly like cloying or anything. But you get like a dark chocolate. Like yeah, I, there, there's I, like licorice and like these these like really like more complex than we're, we're used to with a lot of these. I'm, and it's just so smooth too. Yeah, I'm getting like a weird like adult candy bar bar vibe, like a score bar yeah, kind yeah, of vibe yeah. off it, where there's almost this like li- liquor liquor smoke or something. Yeah. Coming from it, this is you can definitely as we taste this. I think as this one aged out, you would start to get a lot of those red fruit flavors come through because yeah. you can taste them kind of like bubbling under the surface. And this would definitely be one as it sat for a little bit, you would really start to see them come to the surface more and have this really wonderful melding of, of sweet chocolate with like these ripe red fruits going on. But for for ten percent, there's no heat, and it, this is this drinks almost like a porter. It's so easy it's, drinking. You know, it's sweet and smooth. You know, Just like me. Hey, Actually, you know what? Georgie. Uh, George's first words of the hey, show. Hey, I am awoken. Just, just look at the label. This is actually a collab with Jester King. Oh, is it? Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. Nice. Yeah. That's, a, you know, that's another thing, too. We're starting to see a lot more of that. It's like American brewers going over and then vice it's, it's versa the mirror coming effect, back. Yeah. You know, but the mirror is like, like you said, it's like slightly warped and curved. There's, you know, it's augmenting mm, it. The, like, 
European American uh, like uh, collaboration thing is going crazy. Deproof has done it for years. Deproof, uh, another Shelton Brothers product, has uh, has done it for years. Um, Omnipolo's going crazy with mm-hmm. it. Um, who is it? Uh, who else? Uh, Demolin. There's so many breweries over there just doing crazy collaborations. It's awesome. Well, this is definitely. I, I, this one you can find on shelves pretty easily. I've seen this one around at numerous bottle shops, and it's it's extremely easy drink and I will say that like if you are a fan of like big stouts like this is definitely a must try because just that the smooth body of it and the flavor profile is there's just so much to this and it doesn't have those overwhelming coffee notes that's one of the things I think some people get turned off with if they're not into that with some American style doubles is, is that coffee flavor this doesn't go into that territory at it's all it's more cocoa yeah this definitely steers clear of that yeah it seems like they're using like the lowest level of roasted malt to where there's no kind of over roastness or bitterness to it to yeah. where they're just getting straight up sweetness it's more like it's more like a liquid candy like what you imagine a sugar daddy would be like before it actually went into like a hard form or something <laughs> not that sweet obviously yeah. but yeah no I it, 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 the, the chocolate comes through but it doesn't come across as like overly bitter dark chocolate it's like almost like a let's say like a 65 to 70 percent <laughs> like that's it's not into that like really dark bitter dark chocolate but it's not overly sweet into milk chocolate territory so you're semi-sweet maybe well just shut up you're getting all technical <laughs> <laughs> no i'm just joking but uh but here's the thing, too. I would ask you, and Billy, this would be a great question for you. Do you see, like, I, I, from where I sit, when I do reviews or I post stuff, I get way less of a reaction when I deal with um, European beers and imported beers. It seems like in the States, they're not that they're looked down upon. It's just people are like, whatever. It's, just, whatever, it's not. It's, it's kind of like more of a been there, done that. I you know. see, to me, it's more like I came up on American and American IPAs, and that's just something I just don't pay no mind, and I'm paying no I, mind list. I, I feel like what what, from what I've seen with stuff is it's more, not as many people are familiar with some of this stuff, yeah. and they kind of gravitate towards, oh, I heard of that before. That kind of seems to be where they, they naturally go instead of, I haven't heard of that, let me learn more. It's got to come to them in some form, and then they'll be interested. I also think it's a friends and family thing. Oh, I visited there, or yeah. I passed through there, or you know, my cousin stopped there, knows I'm into good beer. Here, check these guys out. But the weird way it comes out, the way I see it is, is that Belgian beer, like all these beers have pretty much existed here in the States around the turn of the century. All the beers that people blow up on nowadays are, are within the past several years. So it's like these beers were here, but everybody just forgot about them. That's yeah. that's the kind of that's the way everything is. It's just they kind of walk past yeah. it after a while, and they finally discover it. And it's like, did you hear about like well, you know, it, yeah, it's but that's just how we're and, and, and it's great that we have like importers like the Shelton Brothers bringing some of these beers, like bringing Cantillon in before anybody even knew what it was and the things that they went through. And now you it can't took them even, like two years to three yeah. years to sell a container. <laughs> now, and like, now I you can't, can't even imagine yeah, a container. I, I go back and buy that whole container right now. There's there's so much with that kind of stuff going on, and that's just how the, the market is. So, all right, that's going to wrap up this one. Next week, I'm going to be gone again. I am quote-unquote running a marathon, but uh, be more like briskly jogging. Uh, so <laughs> I'm going to be yeah. yeah. So I'm gonna be power walking a marathon next Sunday. But uh, uh, Matt's going to be here, and Billy hopefully will be here. Should be back. Uh, we're going to have Lugs and Farmhouse Ales on. With I know Bill, I know George is going to be gone again. I'm going to be back in Boston, baby. Uh, we're going to have David Lugs in from Loghouse Farmhouse Ales on next week. So until next week, everybody, cheers. 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 Thank you.